You're listening to Randstad Sourcerite's Talent Navigator podcast. Join us to hear about the latest research, talent trends and success stories from human capital leaders who are driving their organizations forward with smart workforce planning strategies. Okay, welcome everyone. My name is Wesley Connor. I lead our global people experience function for Randstad Enterprise Group. And today I'm going to be chatting with Francesca Campolani, who is leading our global talent marketing. So welcome, Francesca. Thank you, Wes. Welcome to you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so we thought today that we would just explore a little bit people experience and what it means. Um, I have been in the role now for a month and a half of people experience. And as I'm talking to people, I'm realizing that actually there's not a whole lot of clarity on what people experience is and lots of questions on what is the difference between people experience and employee experience and employee engagement. So maybe just to set the bar and a foundation for us, Francesca, how do you define people experience and how do you see it being different from employee experience? Yes, and, and it's very subtle in reality, and we do words or whatever we want to. Let's say that for me, the main difference is the while employee experience is more all the touch point during the moment that matters, uh, and uh, you know, making sure that every moment so there is engagement, that there is a good experience. People experience adds on top a layer of technology and data, so it's like p employee experience, but it's. Uh, measured at any point and is uh, enabled by a seamless uh, technology. Imagine a little bit how we now live in the digital world with the same email address or the same phone number. We are connected to a bank, to a shopping, to uh, anything we do online. It's a digital presence is exactly the same in people experience. Is your everything uh, revolves around you you've got a digital presence a digital identity and you can access uh, all of the moment that matters in your uh, in your uh, work life uh, with uh, across the technology and everything is measured so that uh, the company can help you even more the other little difference for me is that uh, people experience goes beyond permanent employees it's all the people that uh, touch you that work with you that, uh, that uh, and I don't know your experience how do you experience what we are doing now and what is your vision for the future for example well I think of the service industry and um, that's where I pull inspiration you know that there are certain brands or certain companies that I will for example hotels that I'll stay with because I know I'm going to have a certain experience so when I think of people experience like how do we create that type of environment where we have a consistent experience um, to be able to attract the best talent. And then also I think with people now having these hyper-personalized experiences, whether you're shopping on Amazon, you have recommendations, but people are now expecting to have that same hyper-customer-centric experience at work. So I, I really heard you with the technology and our ability to scale those little moments of meaningful human touch throughout the employee life cycle. Um, my question to you is, do you think you can do that without the technology? Because many smaller companies or even larger companies, let's be honest, don't necessarily have that IT infrastructure yet. So what is your opinion on, can you even do people experience if you don't have the IT infrastructure? I'll be very black and white here. No. 
<laughs> I appreciate your honesty. <laughs> but you can do an amazing, uh, let's say, <laughs> people non-tech experience <laughs> in the sense that yeah. it doesn't mean that your people will not have, you, you cannot create an ecosystem of meaning that isn't beautiful and touches emotional and intellectual, all of the people that work in a company. You can absolutely do that. But... Uh, if you really want to do what it's people experience, it has to be digital and online and technology enabled. Imagine Amazon being Amazon with no technology. It would <laughs> basically be a shop, <laughs> a <Yeah>. warehouse. <laughs> yeah. And I think we're seeing that even here, right? We are in the process of a uh, technology and HR transformation. And so right now we do have those meaningful moments, but it's very difficult to scale and be consistent and to be able to hyper-personalize without the technology. I think that's a very valid point. Yes, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> um, as far as the, the ROI or the interest even in people experience, because when I did a search, I don't think this title even first appeared on LinkedIn until around 2017. And now, of course, it's a really hot title and topic and some of the ROI coming up, you know, companies are 40 times more likely to appear on best of lists or 2.2 times more likely to exceed financial targets. Um, those are really, really great. But in your perspective, what are some of the reasons that, you know, companies should really be focusing on this evolution towards people experience? Uh, all that you've said is absolutely true. So business targets are exceeded, uh, uh, retention and engagement exceed uh, diversity improves uh, because uh, during uh, in a people experience really segmented uh, universe every human being has got their own way of being in the company so it's more inclusive uh, it's very tailored and personalized so all of this is true from my point of view the most interesting uh, the two most interesting uh, return on the investment KPIs are innovation so when you connect people really and uh, it's it's done uh, in a proper technology enabled way people are able uh, to innovate faster and quicker that they can access all uh, you know all of the potential of their brain and uh, souls so, so they really can innovate and that brings more resilience so let's talk about a moment like this we don't know what's going on can it be a recession? Yes, maybe. Can it get better easily? Maybe. Can it get worse? Maybe. I think all the economists in the world that don't have a clue of what is going on and what's going to happen in the next 12 months. So resilience and the capability to not also resist to disruptive change, but to even anticipate it and, and adapt, for me, it's the fundamental quality of a human being and of an organization. So from my point of view, people experience is essential to create the ecosystem and resiliency. I don't even know if this word in English exists, but it's a beautiful quality. <laughs> <laughs> from, from your point of view, what, what's your dream? So when people experience will be perfectly acted in our own company, what do you see happening? I see the full employee life cycle. So I believe the saying is from high to higher to retire. Yes. But that at every moment, even in the application process, when I think of the company itself, I'm having a meaningful experience or a meaningful feeling that's associated to that brand or the company 
So I would love to eventually get to a point where we're able to look at the full employee life cycle and highlight what are all the different moments that truly matter during that employee life cycle and how do, as you mentioned, use technology to be able to scale little meaningful moments of human touch throughout the process. And also, and this is what I really wish, is that we had the technology to be able to empower people to drive their own careers and empower people to look at mobility through the lens of what can I control? How can I go in and upskill myself? What is the work that I'm most passionate about and what's most meaningful to me? And I can go in and take ownership of that by developing myself and those skills and those competencies. So I would love to flip the script where it's no longer my job as an employer to necessarily upskill and reskill you, but that we provide the opportunities and create a really meaningful environment where you have the self-will and the desire to go in and take advantage of those opportunities. Because right now, Francesco, that... we have so many programs that people are not taking advantage of, right? We know that when you provide career coach, only around 10% of the population will take advantage of that coaching. So I think if we don't fix that piece of connecting people to meaningful work and the purpose of what we do, it's going to be difficult because you can create as many, you know, um, moments that matter. You can create as many programs, but people won't necessarily participate in them in a meaningful way. And, and probably because it's difficult when you work for a company to see the big picture, you focus on your job, you focus on your function, you focus, focus on the people that are closer to you. But that's and maybe you can focus on on the development of your people because that's your job. But it's difficult to see the big picture. So you're right. People experience is not only a fantastic uh, tool uh, and methodology for companies to really take care of their people from high to retire, but it's an, an amazing uh, I would say weapon, but a metaphor of war, it's probably not the best, <laughs> but I quite like it. It's a very, you know, it's an empowerment tool in the hands of human beings to see the full picture, the full life cycle, all of the possibilities. Who do you think does it well? Because I was thinking about this uh, this morning, uh, knowing that I would have had this chat with you. And I'm not sure I can see in the HR side of people experience uh, best practice i know i've met a few clients uh, i can name the clients that are good i might not name the clients that are a little bit <laughs> <laughs> probably best but not example, yeah that's not but for example i had beautiful conversation with the, the dhl and they are really putting together an amazing experience end to end i know that uh, in nvidia that i don't know personally but i can see that they're really putting together a beautiful people deal. Cisco, which is another one of our partners and clients, yeah. is really working hard to create a people experience and uh, and uh, an amazing people deal. But all the examples that come in my brain are more from a consumer side. So I can think Disney, I can think uh, Amazon, I can think other. It, it's very strange that we don't treat uh, our people as our most valued customers. Yes. Yeah. Is there any in your experience uh, from from your point of view? Have you met uh, any example that you th really think inspiring or? I th I've seen 
companies that do parts of it well, but not necessarily yes. the full, what I would call the full spectrum of people experience. So I know there are companies in the technology sector who are really good at, um, you know, providing recommendations for you on internal mobility opportunities based on your skill set and your desires, because they're a technology company, they have the technology to be able to do that great pairing with AI. So I've seen that. I've seen some experienced retail chains that I, I think do a great job at providing the the experience part of it you know whether you're working for a luxury hotel and they provide you the opportunity to go and experience what it's like to be in that hotel um so i i think there's different companies doing pieces but i don't know of an example of someone i could say from end to end are really mastering the people experience process no and, and, and i don't know if it's because people experience is not sitting uh in the right place so where does people experience it does it sit in in hr is it part of a part of hr is it hr it's uh it's it's not an easy like everything new how do we position it where, where does it work what, in your ideal world where would people experience uh, sit and then i'll tell you in mine yeah Okay. <laughs> we spent a lot of time thinking of this as we structured our, our new people experience function. What we did. So that's why I mean, I'm stepped into this role now, people experience leader and start to think of what does a team look like. But I do think you need a person if you're a small organization or a team that is actually going to own and take responsibility. Because what I see in some organizations is that it becomes everyone's part time job. And so it becomes no one's job. So I think having one point of contact that they can take accountability and push one common vision forward in the organization is important. But from there, I think it's one of the most challenging roles because essentially you're coordinating with every aspect of the employee experience, which touches HR, all the aspects of it, whether it's compensation and benefits, learning and development, talent acquisition, but you're also having to partner with IT because there is such a large technology component of it. You're having to partner with marketing, um, because you want to have a similar message internally as you're projecting externally. You're partnering with the legal team. So the, the people who I see who are really successful in these roles, they're sort of organizational coordinators where they're setting a really strong people experience vision and process, and then they're making sure there's alignment between all the various functions of the organization to keep everyone moving in the same direction and experience. So that's a little bit for me, Francesca. I think one person owns it with a lot of sphere of influence, informal and formal with the different functions. But I would love to hear from you how you think it should be structured. As often we think very similarly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy, Francesca. <laughs> I totally agree with you. I would add that employer branding is the same. So I would uh, start and argue because, you know, employer branding is the whole uh, experience in a way from an emotional point of view, um, the storytelling uh, from the moment uh, you talk to people outside. So you, you start and engage with people that don't know you or know you and want to know you better to when they are onboarding, induction, all the moment that matter. So I would argue that people experience an employer branding should merge. And uh, I would say that people experience adds uh, the scientific technical part of employer branding on top. And it's, you know, how does it work as a, as a technology experience, as a data experience, and uh, how do you work really end-to-end -end across all of uh, the domain of an organization? So I would say that one day 
employer branding should be a synonymous of people experience or included by people experience. So I would say that one day people experience should own employer branding for a company. Hmm. So then do you see it sitting in HR? Because you've, you've said to me, and I thought it was very inspirational, that I never thought of this way, that actually HR should own your EVP. Yes. Uh, I, it, 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 the thing is, employer branding, uh, it's uh, a very strange uh, science uh, because it's half uh, completely HR and half completely marketing. And isn't people experience a little bit the same? A third mm. psychology and HR and people behavior, a third uh, marketing because you have to communicate the story how do you build a moment that matters or a meaningful experience if you're not a storyteller so you need to understand marketing as well and advertising and a third the technologist so who should own it uh, given that there is not uh, a group that owns all of these uh, i genuinely think that probably the strongest home uh, is still hr because HR should have those skills of uh, a marketeer, a psychologist, an anthropologist, uh, you know, a human resource expert, uh, and a technologist. So probably the HR of the future, maybe not the HR that we remember when we were young, yeah. just did the policies yeah. and the benefits <laughs> and, the, and the contracts, but the HR of today should be all of these things. So. Yeah, I think only HR can understand uh, all of these aspects. I wouldn't risk technology to own it or uh, marketing to own it. Yeah, yeah. It really does touch every aspect. It's a Rubik's um, and Cube. To... Yes. Yeah, that's a, that's a great metaphor for that. And, you know, I, I can see HR playing with the Rubik Cube to get uh, your yellow experience and your red experience, all personalized for people and all the, the, the algorithm and combination in between. I don't know how many are the combination of a Rubik Cube, but I imagine a lot. So it's also very personalized. So the HR of the future, I see it as the masters uh, of the experience through technology, with the data, with the emotional connection. That's the yeah. HR I dream of. Yeah, yeah. Me, me as well, Francesca, we share a similar vision and dream on that one. <laughs> um, something yes. we haven't touched on that I think is really important with people experience is feedback and how important it is to create those informal and informal feedback loops. Because essentially, for me, people experience is done in collaboration. It's a co-creation. It continues to transform and evolve as our people do. So I see it as a continuous conversation and dialogue. My challenge right now is that our surveying, you know, we do whether it's a quarterly or it's an annual survey, it's very difficult to get that sort of in-time feedback that you can quickly, rapidly respond to. Do you have any thoughts or ideas around how we can become better listeners as organizations? Uh, yes, and you have touched probably one of the critical uh, aspects of people experience. So while employee experience, even the name says it, it's uh, the employee have an experience decided by the employer. So when you identify one of the subjects, uh, the other one is hidden, but it's there. People, people is leadership, people is the organization, people are the employees, people are the contractor, people is a more inclusive word. So in a people experience, it's a game together, no? There is a, a, a playground, 
some rules, some boundaries, identity is a boundary, culture is a boundary, the business model is a boundary, but then everybody is playing, so everyone has got a voice and a choice. In order to do that, you cannot just from top down, so from the employer to the employee, send uh, a survey every month uh, with always the same question, uh, monitoring only the, the flags uh, that you think are the most important to control and satisfy the employee it has to be a two-way round so why don't, don't have having a completely just-in-time feedback mechanism enabled by technology where people can even create the question that they want to ask everyone else where uh, the, the, you know sometimes it's flipped the other way around and it's uh, a, it, it's really done uh, together, co-created, but a system like that doesn't exist. Uh, um, yes. yeah. We just have to dream about it and create it. <laughs> the, the, there are probably technologies, social, social listening technology are used in marketing all of the time to feel the pulse of the conversation. We don't use them in HR. Why don't we use social listening technology? Why don't we use cloud technologies, you know, to cloud words and conversations, which don't touch the privacy of people at all, but just aggregate the sentiment? Why don't we get uh, people to create the survey that they want to, to ask? It, it's, uh, I think surveys are in, uh, have been, surveys are in another era still. They are in the past. And I'm waiting for the disruptor technology company to create a completely different survey with a completely different mechanism. In the meanwhile, I think you are already thinking about making workshops, uh, making, uh, you yeah. know, having uh, pulse surveys, uh, finding different ways. But the key of everything is in people experience is the people that have got a voice and a choice. It's not the employee yeah. that asks questions to the, to the employer, that asks questions to the employees as they want. Mm -hmm. I love that, Francesca. I think when we talk about organizations who are doing this well, I've seen some companies that, that are in that when you log in in the morning, for example, and everyone has to log into their system in the morning, they're asked one question, not an entire survey, but it's one. And what I love about it, it's sort of like the bathroom when you go and you have the green face all the way to the red face. So it's a really quick snapshot, um, not overwhelming, well, it's one you. question. <laughs> yes. exactly. It's, it's like in the airports, no? When, when you've yeah. got the three little faces, uh, very angry, <laughs> <laughs> neutral, very happy. And immediately you can feel how people are feeling and not uh, just answering always uh, to the same question. Also because I genuinely believe uh, that when people are uh, seriously disengaged, they stop answering surveys. Yes. So it's not true that all of the people disengaged uh, answer negatively. I think 80% uh, of the people that are not happy just stop answering surveys unless you, you catch them in the day that they're so upset that they're like revenge answering on the survey. But, but usually you just stop. So how yeah, do you how know if only, only hearing from, yeah, yes. you're only hearing from your engaged employees, that's very dangerous very dangerous that's why employee engagement uh, employee experience uh, again they are like employer branding you know that i don't even like anymore the, the concept of employer branding i genuinely believe mm. that it has to be 
a relationship branding, a people branding. We really need to start and look at all of the players and not just uh, you know, three or four people deciding for everyone else. Yeah, maybe you could speak to that a little because I, I've read an article. I know that there'll be work published from you around the evolution from an employee value proposition to a relationship value proposition. Um, I think it's fascinating. I absolutely love the idea. And maybe you could just explain to us a little bit your thoughts on that evolution. Yes, and it's a little bit like you were saying at the beginning, no, the service industry. We are not in the industrial revolution anymore. So we don't have any more. We have in some places in the world, but let's say we are lucky enough to live in places where the service revolution and the convergence revolution are completely active. So we don't have any more the master and the servants. We don't have any more the employee and the employees that are you know permanent like in even in the 50 that you started the job in a company and that was your job for life and uh, you were really an employee as of now employees are not employees anymore you cannot call them permanent anymore Start, some stay three years or some ten but the new generation are staying three five or changing job completely so you have to completely think uh, that you cannot have any more an employer defining a value proposition for employees because that's model that model doesn't exist anymore it's people that are leading a company they have created a company that take responsibility for that company working with people that work for the company in different ways so as employees as permanent as contractor as freelancer as a third party vendor working together to provide a service or a product or an experience to other people. So when people come in the game, it's a matter of relationship. It's not a matter of uh, top down, uh, you know, bottom up, uh, lateral. It's a circle and it's a relationship. So for me, it's not anymore an employer value proposition, top down uh, given to the employees uh, and a give and take, you know, the deal. I give you this if you give me that, but it's a constant yeah. relationship. And that relationship is also the, the result of a lot of uh, processes and governance and technologies and ways of working. So I see people experience in a way as the coordinator if it was an orchestra imagine the relationship a lot of musicians all specialized in beautiful music and an instrument and the people experience leader is the director of the orchestra making music together beautiful music so for me that's a relationship you cannot say that in an orchestra or in a, it's just a matter of uh, it is a relationship between instrument and voices so that's for me the future. Not the employer branding will disappear, but it will evolve. Everything evolves. And I think relationship is the key. Amazon, uh, all the digital uh, businesses, and I keep uh, probably naming Amazon because I'm a big client of the Amazon marketplace. <laughs> but you know, all of the digital businesses uh, have evolved and they're creating a relationship with customer. Yeah. That's exactly what's happening in the world of work, fortunately. And it's always been like that, Wes. But mm -hmm. no one seen it, has seen it. And so it was treated more as a master and servant, top-down relationship. Yeah. 
And it's not true. Everybody's got a voice and a choice. When people walk away from a company or they resign, isn't that uh, a big sign of something wrong in the relationship? Mm. So that's 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 uh, the the the, um, the thought. And being an anthropologist, probably I put all of my accent on relationship and uh, and what mm. goes on between people. But I genuinely think that's the future. And I genuinely think your job is one of the most exciting jobs in the history of humanity because mm. you are the director of the orchestra. Do you say orchestra yeah. in English? Am I using the right word? Yes, yeah, no, absolutely. The metaphor <laughs> works very well, very well. So how do you start? Francesca, what, what would you recommend? Say, I'm interested. Yes, I'd love to explore this and create a relationship value proposition. Uh, it's it's uh, it's not an easy piece of work because it's it, it really in from that point of view, it's nearly an anthropological dig in in an, in not an ancient civilization, but it's a living and breathing civilization. So it's really the exploration of artifacts and uh, languages and the behaviors. Uh, so observing everything that it's evident, because those are the you know the, the what you see what is deeper and then all of the relationship between groups and teams and leadership and people and leadership and contractors and contractors and permits so you really observe that there are methodologies that you use as a lens to observe uh, all of this domain and then you understand technology because the way a company chooses technology it's a metaphor how they want to connect their work and how inclusive they are in connecting people so you observe all of the domains and then you do the, the you give voice to the people so exactly i think what you are planning to do surveys workshop focus group uh, interviews a single interview external perception internal perception new hires uh, um, interview. So you, you start and talk to people and everything is very structured. And at the end, you've got a big, uh, under, and then look at all the data that you can. And actually, what's interesting for me is the data you cannot see. Why are there some data missing? And it's not just technology and, uh, and uh, it's sometimes uh, a data that doesn't interest to people. So diversity and inclusion, for example, equality, fairness, we all talk about it. Why are there so little data about uh, inclusion in companies? Do they really care about it if they don't measure it? You have mm. to ask these questions. Yeah. Yeah. That sort of so brings us it, to people, yeah, the people analytics part and how essential it is to have that function. Yes. Without data, you are blind. Without the voice of the people, uh, without the sentiment, without what's going on, without your promotion rates, uh, your progression rates, your mobility rates, your satisfaction rate, without all of the, the measurement of the relationship. So marketing yeah. and HR have developed exactly in the same period. Probably HR developed even before marketing. But marketing, because they need to sell, has developed quicker than HR. So they developed yeah. metrics and way of uh, tracking uh, behaviors and moments uh, and uh, segmentation of clients because there is a scope. HR has never mm. been given the same budget and the same attention of marketing uh, because people have always been secondary to customers. 
Yeah. But if you want to make customer and clients happy, you have to have the, the good people you need. And to have the good people you need, you have to treat them in a, like customers. To treat them like customer, you have to have the data and the technology to track everything and to understand what they want. It's very simple yeah. if you think about it. It's just that no one has put the attention. In fact, HR technology is less developed than marketing technology. So interesting, just, isn't it? Yeah. It is. Marketing. And I wonder if you'll see a huge shift in the years to come in the types of roles that are in HR. So, for example, you know, do we need a director of storytelling to be able to take these visions and, like you said, communicate compelling stories to the various personas? <laughs> do we need a chief yeah, imagination yeah. officer? Wouldn't that be great? If there is a chief imagination officer, please give it to me. <laughs> I want it. <laughs> You'd be hired. <laughs> I just want it. And then I can spend all of my life imagining better words and better stories for people to live and experience. So that, that would be the best job in the world. I think there was a technology company, actually, that had the chief uh, um, anthropology officer. So really someone, it, it was a very famous technology company that I will not name because I'm not sure sure 100% that they've got it now um, and they really focus and that was 20 years ago so imagine the revolution of having someone that it's a specialist in uh, human groups uh, behaviors so wow. really understanding the culture the deep culture of groups uh, I think it's fascinating so in the future maybe we will have exactly I, I think I proposed one to 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 create a little team of storytellers for job descriptions because our job descriptions are very dry not ours in general uh, our list of requirements instead the job description is a story a story that you tell of what will be your experience once you join a company. So I would love a chief imagination officer. Now you have put a thought in my brain, Wes. <laughs> I don't think... <laughs> well, just what you mentioned there, transforming our job descriptions and stories, that was one of the first initiatives I, I know that you, you supported. It has had a huge impact to the amount of people who have applied to our jobs and the interest in different types of positions as far as mobility. And there are these beautiful job descriptions that paint a picture of who you'll be in this role and the impact that you're going to have. So I think that's low-hanging fruit for people is even to look at your job descriptions and ask what kind of story are you telling? Absolutely. And also consider, that's why it's called people experience, because it's not... Uh the job experience is the human being experience and humans are made of senses and emotions and intellect and smell and touch and the hearing so when you write a job description they have to smell it they have to touch it they have to feel it that's why storytelling is important because it involves the whole ecosystem of a human being also if you think about and, and I'm sure about this. I've done a lot of research in the past. I've not done it in, in our company, but I've done it in the past. How much introverts are left behind? Because every most of the dominant culture in, in companies are led by extroverts. So introverts are left behind in hiring, in, uh, in uh, mobility, in promotion, in progression. So when you start to access the storytelling and people experience, you know 
that they need a different experience. You know that they need a different way of approaching a story or hearing a story. When you talk about neurodivergence, again, you know that they, they need to experience, every human being needs to experience in their own way without losing the identity and the culture of the company, of course. So 100%, a job description can be a very tactical but effective way of giving an experience to different people and increasing application, but also application of people that might not have considered applying because they just saw a list of requirements. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it, and, and that's the beauty of people experience. Your job is big and it's huge and it's got a lot mm -hmm. of responsibility and a lot of aspect to touch, but also in the short term, you can make a difference for everyone. Yeah. And, and I think that's the beauty of this new way of looking at uh, HR. Mm -hmm. What are some of the ways that you think organizations can measure the success of their, their people experience? I, I have some, some thoughts, but I'd love to hear from you what you think. I'll, I'll give you only three short points. One, if you've got all of the data to analyze everything from every point of view and segmented by all of the different uh, groups uh, that are playing uh, in your house and that you want to invite <laughs> playing in your house. So you've got all of the data, you see everything, yeah? Second, uh, it's um, every strategy and step has been co-created. I see a lot of fake engagement. You know when leadership decide, uh, decides everything and then they do a little workshop, uh, to let people feel that they've contributed and that's a normal practice no one has to be ashamed of it because it's a normal business practice <laughs> but how many companies can say that they've designed their people experience with them for the people so that's yeah. another one co-creation it's a book written together not uh, you know yeah. written by a ghost writer where people feel but not and 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 the third one is that uh, everyone feels the belonging, even a person that works with us a month can feel it and then becomes an advocate, even if it's, they've been with the company for a month, you stay in the heart. And isn't that the same in every relationship? We meet a lot of people in our life. Some people stay in our heart. Why? Because we've built a connection, a relationship that it's intellectual, emotional, but there is a relationship. So that's why I think when, when that happens in companies, that's when the people experience uh, team has built uh, the most beautiful relationship. But tell me yours, you will be more scientific than me, more precise. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're, lo we're looking at a couple, of course, we're looking at our, our, our global survey and looking at the engagement score, our NPS score, and certain targeted areas like the growth score, which would be my faith in um, my ability to move up in the organization, to develop my skills, my internal mobility opportunities. So those are some of the metrics from the survey, but we're also, thankfully we can report on this, we're looking at internal promotions. Um, yes. That's another key metric. I am gonna be looking at referrals because first of all, not only are they wonderful candidates to bring into the organization, I think if you do have that meaningful connection to the organization, I'm gonna be telling all my friends in my community about it. And I think that that translates into a referral metric. 
And then boomerang hires, people who have left the organization but had that meaningful spot in their heart and come back to be able to contribute with their new outside experience. Now, potentially Completely a little agree. controversial. <laughs> this might be opening up a controversial topic, but I know that it's been recommended many organizations are looking at retention or attrition as a sign. I personally, I, I'm, I don't know if this is where you are, but from what you mentioned at the beginning that people are going to be in and out of the organization, we have contingent, we have SOW. I'm not so much concerned about retention because I think that actually people should explore and they should go and get varied experiences. I would rather make this a great place to be from and have those meaningful experiences so that we get the boomerang people back and also that we have that great reputation in the market that this is a great place to grow your career. Now, I don't, I don't I know, Francis, what you think about looking at retention as a key metric. I couldn't agree with you more. And again, retention is, if you think about it, a little bit of an industrial revolution metric. Me, mm. I retain the people I need. So it's always unilateral. I'm retaining you. There is no choice and voice. Instead, as you say, belonging, exploring, coming back, those are the signs of an healthy relationship. It happens in our private life. We're friends with people, then we move, and then we meet again, and you never lose the people you have a strong relationship with. Even if you talk to them after 10 years, immediately comes back. That's exactly the same. Of course, from a very practical point of view, it's very important that the company creates an environment where people want to stay a little bit more and develop a little bit more and contribute to a little bit more because you cannot have a company where people come and go every six months. That would be no, impractical. No. But it's a choice. I'm not trying to retain you. We belong together. We've built something uh, together and we want to stay. And then there is the time where I go and explore. And the love doesn't stop, but I'm exploring elsewhere. Actually, there are companies that I will not name <laughs> that encourage <laughs> people to go, yes. get two or three years experience somewhere else and come back to bring that experience. So it's, yeah. a, it's a proper choice to take a break like uh, Rachel and Ross on Friends. Yeah. <laughs> I love the analogy. I think I know the company that you're <laughs> speaking of too. <laughs> Any final thoughts uh, from you? No, I'm excited. I'm excited that our company is embracing um, such a beautiful art and science of uh, the human resources resourcing world. And I'm, exciting, uh, I'm excited for the fact that the whole industry, the whole market is moving uh, towards that direction of understanding that people and customers are exactly the same uh, thing. I'm equally as excited and my background is actually in the performing arts. So I have a theater background and worked in many years in collective creation and immersive theater experiences. So for me, this is just dreaming up what is the experience that you want people to have from that high moment all the way to retire. Um, it's right in my wheelhouse and it brings together sort of that artistic side and the artistic brain with a really practical technology driven, data driven brain also. So I'm excited to see what this field holds and uh, also excited to see what we're going to be able to do here at Runstad. Well, thank Perfect. you so much, Francesca. I love the conversation as always. Thank you, Wes. Talk to you very soon. Thank you for listening to Randstad SourceWrite's Talent Navigator podcast. Learn more about the trends you've heard about today at randstadsourcewrite.com.